My name is Pastor Derek. Everybody say, hey, PD, what's up? It's good to have you guys in church today. Isn't it good to be in church? You know, we're not like on the internet assessing somebody's dress. We're in church, you know, getting our mess all worked out, right? Not somebody's dress. Come on, somebody. This is redonkulous. I love being in church. A lady last week, she was saying to me, she says, Pastor D, I love, you, you know, when you talk and you tell, you have so many stories, so many things that happen to you. I mean, funny stories. In fact, your whole life's a joke. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. But I'm just glad that we can uh, come with all of our messes and have God work some stuff out in our life. Amen. Amen. And I just think that, you know, every time we come, we get these course corrections, these adjustments, and just some life-giving stuff that we can receive because we're, we're talking about the Bible here. We're not here for some self-improvement, self-help, you know, just kind of hype thing, but we're here to exalt Jesus, and we're to learn about his words and apply them to our life. Amen? Amen. And so I'm so excited to introduce to you our guests this morning. Um, these are heroes in the faith for me. I, I was sharing this in the first service, and I was sharing this on our marriage weekend. By the way, how many just had a great time on our marriage weekend? All the married people, come on. Let's, let's give a hoorah. I mean, how many had a hot date? Come on, somebody. That's like, that's like code language. We'll just leave that alone. Hashtag hot date. Woo. Baby making. Okay, well, got to bring that in another place or my wife's going to go with the hook. Anyway, um, we had a great weekend with our guests, and I was just telling the first service on the weekend, you know, like, I used to have different heroes. My heroes, you know, I used to think of that commercial. I want to be and want to be like Mike. Anybody remember that one, you know? Michael Jordan, uh, he was just my hero. I had a man crush. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I did. You know, I'd, I'd practice the tongue out, you know, I'd practice, you know, try to palm a basketball, walk and talk like he did, have the swag. I didn't have it, but my heroes have changed, praise God, because Jesus got a hold of my heart and my convictions and my priorities are different. And so I, I, I love, you know, the men and, and women of the Bible, men and women of faith, but I also like to see people that are in the here and now. And I like to say Jesus was skin on, people that you can kind of call up, talk to, you know, and these two, you know, <laughs> they kind of get the dump truck of me and Stacy. You know, we kind of let them know what's going on, and we just back that baby up. Hey, we got some problems. Beep, beep, beep. Shh. But they take it, and they keep on just giving back to us and pouring into us. And John and Helen Burns, Pastor John and Pastor Helen Burns are here from Vancouver, Canada. Canada, everybody, like the other side of the planet. They came all the way over here to be with us. This is like, this is like the third time they've been here, and they keep coming back in spite of all the weather craziness and all the roadblocks and whatnot. They pastor a powerful church. They travel the world. These guys are with, you know, they are who's who as far as I'm concerned, and they, they know people that some of us would, would and would not know, but they, but they treat everybody the same and with the same dignity and respect and care, and they're just very, uh, they're just like spiritual parents to Stacey and I. Whether they signed up for it or not, we just, we just look to them as an example in so many ways. Uh, they're what I want to be, you know, I used to say to them, you know, behind the scenes, you can want to be when I grow up. I mean, you're just in love with each other. You're in love with Jesus. You're, you're building a powerful church. You know, you're helping other people. Your kids love Jesus. Your kids, kids love Jesus. 
Come on, somebody. I mean, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to have, you know, and have that legacy and have that succession. And so I, I would just be really grateful. Like, this would be, I know we do this a lot, and we believe in honor, and it's for you, not just for them. But would you stand to your feet, and would you just give it up for some of my favorite people in the whole world, Pastor John and Helen Burns. Come on up. Hey. Hello, Connect Church. Hot dog, it's church. Woo! You may be seated. We love your church. We love your pastors. We love Boston. We love snow. My <laughs> I'm not so sure about the last one to the extent that we you have it. We love snow on a yes. mountain. Yes, on a mountain. No, we like it here. We keep coming back. Obviously, we love it. We were here for the first time three years ago when they shut the roads down and everything, and we didn't get to do the marriage uh, conference because it wasn't happening, but we made a memory. <laughs> Nothing Secluded. like going in the hotel and you know everybody on a first-name basis because everyone spent the night in the hotel. And everybody shows All up in pajamas in the, the morning. <laughs> like, this is, you know, where else can you go? So it was, it's, it's been great. We love your pastors, though. So um, love your pastors. They're love, the best. You know, love them because they're so wise. They are. <laughs> you know what, what really identifies wisdom? Teachability. Yep. Hunger. And they are, and, and they're amazing. But I've told, their, I've, I've told them to their face, so now I can tell everybody else, I really love your pastors, but, you know, I love their kids more. <laughs> They've got amazing kids. Yeah. You know, I think they're great, but their kids are better. Kind of like our kids are so much better than you, but we love you too. But really, that's a great compliment <laughs> to every parent, isn't it? It's a great compliment to every parent, you know, because really it's the fruit of our life. And, and it was so great that, that we're here because I got to meet your parents, Derek. They're sitting down there, and, and what a great compliment to you yeah. two. That these well these done, children that Mom you've and raised and these great these grandchildren. Yep. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to those, you know, right there, grandchildren. So good man. Good man. Good woman. Yeah. Amen. We love being here. We're, we're really excited about what God is doing. I love church. Church is, church is, a, is a house of health. It's, it's where we get healthy. It's where we keep coming, and, and we don't even recognize it, but God is doing something supernatural in our lives and through our lives. And we look one, you know, back one day, and we go, wow, look what the Lord has done. And it happens step by step, and today's going to be, I just believe, a great step. So today's a big day at our church at home. We've been doing um, just a, week, a month of series. We're going to teach out of that to this morning because I think it was kind of helpful at home. Hopefully it'll help you as well, but it's just called Help. And the first, I need somebody. You know what? I dare you. Not just anybody. To sing the rest, to not sing. He keeps singing song titles to you. It's just kind of funny. He acts like, I don't want to, but I will because <laughs> I can sing so good. You need to hear me. <laughs> That Help. was that was mean, <laughs> wasn't it? No. Everybody say, "Oh." Uh, but he does. You sing. You you sing. Yeah. 
Anyhow, today what's happening at home is really quite unique. Our daughter often teaches. She's one of our executive pastors. She is our executive pastor at home. But her husband, who's always behind the scenes, a hard, hard worker on staff and has been with us for a long time, for the first time ever, they're co-teaching. And so we went last night, we watched the service online because they did a service last night. And uh, you could tell it was his first time, but he did amazing. He's such a wise guy. And Angela said, after, if our marriage survives this, we can do anything. But they're, they're awesome. And then I was talking to her this morning, and then she showed us the picture outside her office window. And all of our, uh, the blossoms are out and beautiful, I know. And the crocuses are up, and, and the tulips are waving. All the trees and, are in blossom. Yeah, they it are. It was 65 degrees yesterday. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We haven't had any snow this year. You've hogged it all. <laughs> it's impressive. Impressive. But we're going to talk today around just this thought about relationships. They are truly the greatest joy of life, and they are the greatest pain of life. And uh, when you think about the happiest times in your life, it's not like, I was so happy because I saw a mountain, which could be great. But if you saw it with somebody you love, it's like John got a hole in one once. And he was so glad somebody was there to watch him get the hole in one. It would have been no fun if he had hit the ball and it went in the hole and a hole in one and no one else was there to, because they may never have believed that you got a hole in one. But, uh, but life is better when it's shared. But sharing life also means that there's often a lot of pain that's involved in it. And so today, I guess what we'd really love to do is, is to help us identify perhaps how we're doing in the role of relationships. Perhaps we're someone that easily makes relationships and keeps relationships, or perhaps you're someone who has been really hurt in relationships and you feel um, a, a non-trust. You're not trusting of relationships. You're a little bit nervous about forging new friendships or even coming to church. Perhaps you're here for the first time and it's a little bit scary for you. You're going to find out we're not so scary. But, um, but, but often you, maybe we've been hurt in the past, even within church life, and you think, am I willing to trust again? And so trust is essential. But when trust has been broken, sometimes it's difficult to build it again. But to really become aware of how you are when it comes to relationships. So we're going to talk about some of the challenges, but also um, hopefully help you forge it in a healthy way. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about just in setting this up about a couple of people I think about who have had such difficulty in relationships. They're people that I've known well, but, but if you talk to them, you begin to understand maybe where some of their guard, their guard is up. They feel self-protective and, and uh, afraid to forge relationships. And one of them is a woman I'd known for a number of years and um, several years ago, and she's, she was difficult, um, in, in a person that was difficult to not only build a relationship with, but to sustain a relationship with. And one day it was very, very telling. And she says, I notice you when you walk into a room, you just expect everybody's going to like you. I thought, yeah, I kind of do. I have discovered not everyone does, but um, I, I do. <laughs> but you, you just do life from the thought of, you know, they're going to like me. And if they don't, that's kind of their problem, but they're going to like me. She says, I've never walked into a room and ever thought anybody would like me. And so if you walk into a room and you already expect people to reject you or to disappoint you, that's how you do life. And so you can't ever forge healthy, sustaining relationships if that's the case. And I think of another young man, and I'm, you know, I'm watching him walk through life today and, and really going through a lot of pain in his life. And, and talking to him, probably go back 
15, 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, a young, young man in our young adults ministry, and uh, one day finally got really vulnerable and open, began to just really weep during a weekend meeting we were having. And as he was weeping, he said, I'm so afraid. I never want anyone to get close to me because everyone I've really loved leaves. And so when he was six years old, his father was tragically killed in a plane crash. And so his heart shut down at that point. And then other people that were key in his life left. And so he looks, you look at his life today, and there's still real brokenness. And so you don't ever let anyone get close enough, because what if they leave? And so again, you, you try to build relationships, but it's, it's like the bones are broken, and you can't put any weight on it because you don't trust. And it maybe isn't so much an indictment on others around you, but more your own heart condition. And so Proverbs chapter 4 one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, but one of the scriptures in there says, pay attention to your heart in verse 23, because it affects everything you do. If your heart's not healthy, you cannot build healthy relationships. And yet the Bible teaches us, by this will all men know, Jesus said, that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. But having true, healthy relationships requires opening up your heart and, and taking the risk that you will be hurt and disappointed because that will happen in life. And if it hasn't happened yet, it will happen. But if your heart's healthy, you can navigate through that from a position of strength rather than a default mechanism that always sets you up and think, yep, there it goes again. I told you, everybody disappoints me. So the title of this message is Help, It Hurts. And relationships, typically there's going to be times when they hurt. I think every one of us has gone through it. Like Helen says, if you haven't, just wait. It's coming. And so how do you navigate that? And, and let, let me just ask you, um, from what she said, what kind of person are you? Oh, what kind of relationships have you built? What kind are you expecting? Are, are you one of those people that, that doesn't really believe you're going to ever have the kind of relationship you want with your parents, with your kids, with your spouse? I can never really have that. And a lot of people, um, they blame it on lots of things. You know, well, that's just the way I was raised in a dysfunctional home. Well, I'm Irish, so I got a real temper, you know. And all those kind of things. And, and, and excuses are for losers. Don't that's take a John excuses. That's John burns if I ever heard it. <laughs> excuses are for losers. Excuses, actually, excuses are a predetermined appointment with disappointment. Yep. That's what excuses are. So don't make those appointments with disappointment. What we need to, to, to do is unpack what is this thing called relationship pain or hurt? How does that happen? And when we understand how it happens, we become so much more confident. You know where fear comes in? Fear comes in with the unknown. Like people are afraid of the dark because they don't know what's in the dark. Turn the light on. I'm not afraid anymore. And a lot of times we're, we, we have fear of relationships. We have fear of our future, fear of, of disappointing somebody, fear of rejection, all kinds of things because we, we don't understand how it works. We're in the dark. So let me unpack how it works, okay? Here's, here's the key that we'll talk about this morning. And all, all disappointment all hurt, all disappointment, all come as a result of unmet expectations. So expectations, 
are the key. And we need to learn how to manage our expectations. You, you need to have expectations. Um, if we don't have expectations, we're going nowhere, and we'll never know when we get there because we're just existing. But God actually wants us to have expectations. When it comes to relationship, we have all got them. And often our expectations come from our background. They're almost by default. Recognize what an expectation is. It starts with vision. We, we all have vision, and vision talks, you know, talks about what do we see for the future. But an expectation is putting a pinpoint in that vision. When this cross-sects with this, when she says this, this is what I expect. When he goes, when... when when she does, you know, you, you put your own flesh on those bones. But that's what an expectation is. It's actually an appointment you make in the future. And when that doesn't come to pass, then you have a disappointment. And disappointment, if it's not dealt with, actually doesn't go away. And a lot of people, they don't know how to deal with it, so they don't. And it doesn't go away. It just actually becomes stronger in your life. It grows. And sometimes you'll see the reaction of anger. It'll come upward or it'll grow downward, and that becomes bitterness. And there's a lot of people, you look at their character, and you can see they can't anymore, maybe. It becomes, it's, it's, it's crazy how we become blind to our own stuff. But other people can see there's something that's happened in the past, and we need to learn how do we deal with the disappointment and when we understand how to do it. When we first got married, I mean, we were as dumb, I was going to say stupid, but I'm trying to keep my language right, as dumb as you could possibly get. I mean, she was 18, I was 21, and we were in love. And all you need is love. It's not enough. You need to have a little wisdom. But we didn't have any wisdom. And so she had expectations. And the only way you can be happy in life or fulfilled in life is to get those met. But how, are, how am I supposed to meet them if I don't even know what they are? And I had expectations, and she didn't know what they were. So we were on two paths headed in opposite directions, getting farther and farther apart. And not until we learned some of this stuff could we sit down and begin to make it work. And so we needed to, first of all, know what are our expectations personally. Let me ask you, what are your expectations? When it comes to business, we would never hire somebody without telling them what we expect. Right? right? Yep. You give them a job description. You tell them what you expect because otherwise it's not fair to them. They never know whether they're actually fulfilling your expectations right. or not. And you can't actually give them a reward or give them a, a correction because you don't know. So it's the same with every relationship. What are your expectations? If you were beginning a relationship, say you're starting a dating relationship or you want to get um, engaged or you want to get married and we sat down and talked with you, I, I would talk this through. This would be one of the first things I would talk through with you. And then I'd give you some homework. And the homework would be go away and individually write out your expectations. Write out as, as detailed as you can. What are your expectations? And see, when you write them out, you're going to be surprised with some of them. 
because they don't make any sense. Some of your expectations, you don't even want to have, you know, happen, but you expect it'll happen. <laughs> Why? Because it happened in the past, and you're just dragging that into the future. And if we write them down ourselves, it, it helps us to, to look at them and, and, you know, realize what are we expecting. And then I'd have the two of you look at each other's talk together. And when you do, you're going to change some of those expectations because they're not real. And then some of them are going to go, wow, I didn't know that. Well, that's not so hard. You know, like when we were married, she expected me to tell her every day, I love you. I thought that was crazy. I mean, I told you I loved you when I married you. That was, that was my line. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. And, and really, and, and what, it's such a simple thing. I mean, John, can you say I love you? Yes, I love you. Say it every day. Okay. That's all I needed to do, and it fulfilled a great expectation in her life. But until then, she was just getting more disappointed and more disappointed. And I didn't know why, but, you know, there was, there was trouble in the marriage. <laughs> Mount St. Helens. Yep. It didn't all go well. But, you know, I just thought about something as you were talking about expectations and taking the time to actually articulate what do I expect? Often we only know what we don't like, but we don't actually know what we want. And we live by uh, a very, it's a code in the Burns household. It's a code in our staff and leadership. Never complain about what you permit. And so what we often do is we complain and complain and complain about we, what we don't like, but we don't actually know what we want. And so when you know what you want, stop complaining about it and behave your way towards that success and, and get, a, get a vision for what you want. And so I honestly think relationships are not that difficult because we do teach people how to treat us. And if we put up with or endure abuse or wrong behavior, it, it, it it's also says something about the condition of our heart. And so we have to understand why we do that and why we allow it to be done because you need to have a healthy expectation because they are really fuel for your life. So um, one of the things that I think is so aware, uh, that we need to be so aware of, many times we have a relationship, not so much by design, but by default because of stuff that we've been carrying, often even unaware. And so I call that baggage, relational baggage. And the truth is we all have it. But we don't even know we have it sometimes. And so John and I travel extensively. And so our life is very much about going through airport security. And uh, someone asked me, do you know about TSA? Oh, yes, I do. And I love it. And I love having our little Nexus card when we go into Canada and, and you know, that we've got kind of a clear pass. But the reality is, because I've got a, a metal rod as an artificial hip, I set off every single um, Security check. It's just the nature of the being, uh, the beast, if you will. I, that is my life. And so John's always waiting for me. I always send him up ahead, and I, or I go through, and then he just cleans up everything afterwards because I'm always getting, as I say, molested at airport security. <laughs> just happens and I have warned the first service if you're being checked out by a German woman be careful and because uh, when I go through Germany I'm like is this legal like really every part of you gets tested anyhow but I'm like it's my hip it's my hip but why do they do security checks and it's gone to a whole different level ever since 9-11 
is because they are checking if there is, there's a whole people, a lot of people going on an airplane with you. And when you're getting on an airplane, they want to make sure there is nothing that you're carrying that is harmful to you or to anyone else on the journey with you. And so it is in life. There are people journeying with you. And if we are carrying hazardous material, if you will, which, which, which is unforgiveness and, and, and judgments or whatever that's going on in our heart, and we're not paying attention to it, it is going to eventually not only hurt you, but hurt those that you do life with. And so it's important what's going on. And years ago, I realized it was actually about 20 years ago, and so we had already, we've been pastoring for 30 years in January. And uh, about 20 years ago, there was a situation where John and I, and it hasn't happened since, so I'm quite relieved it was actually almost 20 years ago. Yes, thank you. But uh, we, were, we were driving, and something John said to me, I, I was like, are you kidding? And I just had, I just exploded. Mount St. Helens showed up, and which is, you know, an eruptive volcano. We flew over it. I wanted to wake you up, but you were snoring soundly on the airplane. We flew right over Mount St. Helens on the way to California the other day. Anyhow, it's quite, quite a huge explosion. And uh, at any rate, so this, this had happened, and, and I remember saying, pull over the car, pull over the car. We were on our way to Costco, as you do. And so we were on our way, and uh, I said, pull over the car, I'm getting out. I was so mad at him. I'm crying, I'm upset. This is like, we've been teaching marriage and family, and here I am doing this. It was not cool. <laughs> And anyhow, so I'm like, let me out. And I jump out of the car, and I was so angry with him. And I was just like, I, I'm crying. I'm like, just like, unbelievable. I can't even, I'm shocked at myself. So I get out, and then I thought, this was a really dumb idea because I was pretty far from home. And uh, <laughs> how am I going to get home? And uh, I don't even know if I had a cell phone. I probably did. But at any rate, I was not calling him. But I did find a way to catch a taxi home. And the taxi took me home. But, you know, you still have to deal with life because he was there too. And so I have to go home and deal with my, my really, really dumb behavior. And, uh, and during that, I, I had a, a, a moment with God. I thought, oh, Helen, what was that? And so I go and I, I decide that I, could, I need to deal with this. If you had asked me, Helen, are you capable of behaving in that way? I would have told you, not me. I don't do that. I did it. And so I thought, okay, God, what was that? What was that? And if you're serious about it, God will show you what's going on. He knows how to do an x-ray on your heart and show you what's going on. And he showed me, Helen, there is unforgiveness in your heart towards John. And you need to deal with that. And I did. And after that, that incident, I remember going to John and I just apologized. I said, I am so sorry for what I just did and how I behaved, and I'm, I'm making myself accountable. And I haven't done that again. They're just, you know, uh, but I needed to deal with unforgiveness in my heart. And in Psalm 19, it was a scripture that God gave me. It says it like this in the Living Bible. How can I ever, how can I ever know what sins are lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. And in one translation, it says, let them not have dominion over me. I don't want my life to be governed by unforgiveness, by baggage, by stuff that has gone on. And I, I want to be free of that so I can forge the road ahead with strength. You know, just two weeks ago, I was reminded of this in the first service. Two weeks ago, I, John and I had driven into church together. We were going to be teaching. And while I was driving, 
to church. I said, oh, I just feel a little bit off. We had a couple of gorgeous grandchildren in the back seat. And we had had a wonderful morning. And we get to church. And, and I, I said, something feels just a little off. And I thought, maybe I've got a flu coming on or something. Um, but at any rate, I thought I was okay. And I'm like five, ten minutes out from teaching. And I looked at John. I'm like, I'm not okay. At, I need to go. And so my beautiful granddaughter drove me home and and dropped me off and I got there and I thought you know I just don't know what's going on I just feel off but by the time John had done several morning services I had, I wrote my daughter Ashley and I said can you tell your dad to come home which I guess he flew like crazy I said I think I need to go to the hospital and so he took me to hospital and I was in agonizing pain by the time he got there when they got there they did a CT scan and on that CT scan, it showed that I had a four millimeter, which is itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, a tiny little um, kidney stone. But this was causing unbelievable pain in my body. And so it's amazing what a CT scan revealed because doctors didn't know. But there it was just glaring and that that needed to leave my body. And, you know, sometimes that's what we need to just trust God to do. It's causing enormous pain. I couldn't function as I needed to function that day. I've never in the history ever said, John, I can't get on the platform and do this today. It's never happened. But it happened that day. And when it, it revealed, there was a problem. And I want to challenge you. Baggage isn't just sin that we carry. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, let us lay aside every, every weight and the sin that so easily impedes us from running the race. Because we've got a race to run. We've got a place to go in God. Our relationships are a signpost of heaven. Our marriages, our families, our friendships are to show people, connect. What a beautiful name for a church. How we connect relationally with God and with people is the greatest declaration in this world of the love of God. Amen. So we have to get good at this, Amen. which means we have to have the courage to look inside and go, what is that? So if you find yourself, just some of the, the absolute um, identifiable characteristics of having baggage in your life is things like, I just explained, a negative emotional reaction. Let me tell you this. If you have anger issues, it's not the people in your world. It's you. And the grace of God says, I can help you with that. But so often when we're explosive and we say things or we lose our temper, we think it's somebody else made me. If you have road rage and you're screaming at drivers, it's not the other driver. No matter how foolish they are and how badly they're driving, you losing your temper is your stuff. Amen. Right? You agree with that, right? Yeah. I never lose my no, temper. You know. No, you don't. <laughs> but also if we're doing things like bitterness... What about things like... I'm never bitter. No. Things like... Um, this is getting bad. Let's change the No, I've got to finish these thoughts. They're really going to... No, you don't. I just... Driving. He hates stupid drivers. No, he loves them. He calls them all blondes or grandmas. <laughs> of which I am both. Anyhow. And I'm married to one. Blonde woman or grandma, forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Um, things like the silent treatment. Silence isn't silence. Silent, when you're being silent about something, you have baggage. Don't tolerate it. Um, sometimes we could help somebody out, but we refuse to help them. Why? Because we've got stuff going on. Deceptive behavior. Um, hiding your true feelings. Why do we hide our true feelings? Why? Because we don't want to look at them. 
we have to have the courage to look at them and deal with them. What about things like um, one of the greatest causes, and I'm not talking right now about there are, I know, medical reasons, but a lot of depression, a lot of depression comes from shame and guilt. Shame and, guilt. And, and that just is weighing your heart down so that you can't function. What if you're afraid of future relationships? What does it mean? It means you're anchored down by the past. What about judgmental or critical behavior? Is when we're trying to bring others down to a level um, of just where we try to make ourselves feel better. If you're, or things like jealousy. It's just an, it, it, it's a reflection of your own heart. There's no purpose and no good emotion that can come out of that. So what I want to encourage you is if these things are coming up, and, and especially if it's reoccurring, just realize I'm going to stop looking at everybody else and think they're difficult to have a relationship like the, with, but to look at ourselves. Like a woman I met and said to me, well, Helen, I've been married five times, and this marriage didn't make it either. And she just looked at me and said, I keep marrying the wrong man. And I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, you have been at the scene of the accident every single time. It's time to look at you and see what's going on. So how do we deal with hurt? When we've been disappointed, we recognize it's because of unmet expectations. So how do we get from there to a better place? Because God doesn't want us to do... Typically what people do when they get hurt and they actually realize it's because I expected them to do something and they didn't. That's why I'm, I'm upset. I'm, you know, so what they do is they stop expecting. I'm not going to expect him anymore to do that. I'm not going to expect her. And pretty soon they lower their total expectations to the place where there's really no life on the inside of them anymore. They're just boring. And God wants us to actually, instead of lowering expectations, he wants us to raise them. And I think one of the, one of the greatest life-changing opportunities always come as a result of hurts, really. Stuff that hurts sometimes is some of the best opportunity because it's pain is simply a messenger telling you something's wrong. That means you need to fix it. You need to change it. And, and when it's about us, we can change it. And the great thing about life is you can change. Yeah. We can change. We don't have to be the way my parents and my grandparents. And, you know, I don't have to be Irish just because I got red you know, hair, whatever it is, and have this. this. No, we can change. So how do you deal with unmet expectations or disappointments? Well, first of all, you have to have that conversation. Only by communication can we understand what the other person's expectation is and what your expectation is. And, it, and until that person understands, you understand, there's no chance that you're just going to, by, by accident, meet each other's expectations. No. You're so different. Opposites attract, Right? And we love that. But man, does that make it hard. Like there's no way in the world you're going to understand that person because you're attracted to the opposite that you are. So there's going to be those opportunities. So we've got to have the conversations. Do you know what those are called? Confrontation. Most people run from confrontation. They don't like it because sometimes you can, you, you can end up wrong. And if you've ever been in a confrontation and it ended wrong, you probably have a fear of confrontation, which is probably something that's going to take you down the road of being less and less expecting, um, having less and less what you want in, in relationships. You actually have to turn and face your fear 
and learn how to have a, a healthy confrontation. And the great thing about it is once you've had a one healthy confrontation where you, you've sat and you've talked, if you're married, you will have opportunity for this. And you will. There's no question about it. And if you haven't Parents. yet, just wait. It's coming. Yeah. And so what we do is we sit and turn and talk about it. And there's, there's a few rules that we have. And these are rules that we learn from the book of Proverbs. Number one is respect. Okay? Respect. What is that? It's the value you put on the person over the issue. Yep. A lot of times we give the issue all of the value. Like, I'm upset, I'm mad, you're going to hear about it. It's all about the issue. Well, hold the tiny little thing that, that came up, you know. He didn't put his cup in the, in the dishwasher. Forgive me. And she's all mad about my cup. There's so many things I've done right. So respect says I value you above the issue. And it's simply something like this. Is this a good time? We need to talk about something. Is this a good time, honey? And if it's not, let's just, you know, when would be a good time? And, and you, you don't put life on hold until this issue gets dealt with. Okay? That's respect. Number two is safety. Mm -hmm. Safety. Make sure that you actually put the safety net out, that you say the words that, that, that take away the fear. A lot of times people don't want to have a confrontation because they fear that it's going to explode and that'll be the end of our relationship and we'll never make it past this point. Safety says, I love you. I love where we're going. I love what's happened. I love how far we've gone. And I'm not going anywhere, but I think it could even get better if we could deal with this one issue. Wow. All of a sudden, you know what? I could give this a try because it's not going to be the end of everything. Number three is focus. Stay focused on one thing. Pick one thing to talk about. Not everything. Not everything's wrong. You know those, those things we say all the time you do this. No, think of one thing and really make it small because really what you want more than anything is success. Success is the best motivator. So Find something, and when you have success, one step, there's a miracle in a step. Remember last year, I talked about the miracle in one step. When we do something different and we change something, it's a whole new world, <laughs> a new fantastic point of view. Everything changes. It's amazing what the life it, it pumps into you. All of a sudden, you can do anything. And number four is the word help. Help is actually a miracle word in a relationship. Help takes you from the place where typically when we have a confrontation, it feels like this. I'm on one corner of the fighting ring. She's on the other corner. The bell rings, and we come out swinging. May the best man win. In, in that case, no one wins. No one wins. But when you say help, help me understand Help me see it from your point of view. Help me deal with this. I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. Help. What you do is you walk around the ring. You put your arm around your spouse or your friend or your colleague, whoever it is, and you decide that together you're going to deal with the issue. You're not my problem. There's an issue we need to deal with, and we're on the same team. That's what help does. So if you're going to deal with difficulties, we need to have the confrontation we need to talk about it. But secondly, we need to make a plan. Don't just deal with it and then walk away and do the same old, same old. It's going to happen again. Make a plan that you're not going to get there. 
It's so important. And then this is where I want to end. I want to pray for you a bit. Um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is so miraculous, and yet most people don't understand it. See, forgiveness is an act of faith. There's, there's right there such an explanation in, in, in that. Forgiveness is an act of faith. Now, faith doesn't have a feeling to it. Faith isn't because you finally got it figured out and you understand it. No, you don't get saved because you can figure out God. You don't get saved because you can feel God. It's got nothing to do with it. It's, it's, it's I trust and I believe even though I don't feel, even though I don't understand. And that's what forgiveness is. A lot of people think I can't forgive because I can't forget. Well, why would you want to forget? You want to remember the lessons you've learned in life, but you want to take it from the place of being this setback, take it to the place of being feedback. Now I'm smarter, okay? I can't forgive because it still hurts. Bad things are supposed to hurt. For the rest of your life, that, that's going to hurt, but you, you can actually take it from the place where it's a detracting to something that it's now inspiring the rest of your life to fix those things that hurt in your life. Well, I can't forgive because I don't want to condone the behavior. You're not condoning the behavior. Actually, forgiveness is not, not about the other person. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is not even about the past. It's about the future. See, we can't move on. We can't move on unless we let go. And my favorite verse to understand forgiveness is Philippians 3, verse 13, 14. Paul says, but this one thing I do. I haven't got it all figured out yet, but one thing I do. Now I'm all ears, Paul. What is it? He says, forgetting those things that lay behind and pressing on to that high calling. No, hold it, Paul. You said one thing. Now, I, I don't know if you can't count, but that's the two things. So, Really, what are you talking about? Well, here's, here's the bottom line. It's only one thing. But they're both the same. They're one and the same. You can't forget without pressing on. And you can't press on without forgetting. Forgiveness is about letting go so that you can press on. The proof of forgiveness is you press on. The proof of forgiveness is you keep going. And as you keep going, one day, you, that's, that's just not an issue anymore. But a lot of people are trying. They're looking backwards and they're trying. And God wants us to press on to the high calling. And God wants us to do some, some great things in our life. And every single one of us, we can change. You can have the very, very best future. And you can set, set your kids up and your grandkids up for the best future. And really what they need to see in you is not perfect. They just need to see change. They just need to see that you can do it, that you're not going to back down. You're not giving up on life, but you're becoming more and more and more. It doesn't matter what age you're at. God wants us to keep pressing forward. Just last thought, I know we're going to be praying for you. And um, just one of the things, I was just one time I was doing an altar call, I, I think of this moment so many times, and I just asked people to come up for prayer. And uh, I had just minister, finished ministering on the area of sexual abuse and rape and things like that. And, uh, and after I asked people who were dealing with that and just needed to let go and move on to come up to the front and to get prayed for. And so all the just women were streaming up to the front and asking for prayer. And there was just this moment that I just realized that so many people were coming up. They were sobbing, and that would be expected. But I felt the Holy Spirit said, told me to tell them, stop looking at what happened and tell them to look at me. 
because it's a little bit like John just explained. You can't forget without releasing, and you can't release without forgetting. And there comes a point where you have to decide, I am no longer looking at the pain, but I'm looking at the one who suffered for my pain. Because if you just come and get prayed for over and over and over again, and you don't feel different, I think we're looking in the wrong place for our healing. Because someone who's praying for you can't do it for you. They can stand with you. But it's you letting go and letting God go there. And I feel like so many of us, without even realizing it, many other people may even see it in you, but we're dysfunctional in relationships because we don't really let God do what he can do. We don't want to let go. We are afraid if we let go, we're condoning their bad behavior. We have to leave that with God. And Or we feel if we let go, they got away with with um, hurting. And you just have to leave that with God. But I would encourage you, from the very youngest to the very oldest here, don't do one more day crippled in your spirit. Have the kind of relationship you've dreamed of. And don't feel like it's ever too late. Anybody can change. And we have to believe they can and trust them for that. And so today, is we're just going to pray. I just want to encourage you, stop looking at the wound and look at the one who was wounded and know that you're whole in him. Amen. So stay here. You just bow your heads. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to give you a moment, a private moment between you and God. And I believe that every time the word of God is taught, preached, that the Holy Spirit is doing something. He, the, the, the Bible says the word of God never returns void, empty, useless. It always produces so if you're here and you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you in a direction in your life, God wants you to receive. He wants you to respond. So this moment right now, I just call it our time of response. And if you're here and there's a relationship in your life that God is nudging you, that you need to let go, you need to forgive, you need to press on, you need to let stuff, baggage maybe that you've been carrying and you recognize that about yourself. You need to let go, forgive yourself. You need to press on to the high calling of God. Then right now, respond to God. Say yes to God. See, if you walk out of here and you say, well, I heard something and it, was, it made sense to me and you, you just kept it all on the inside, it's amazing how the devil will come and steal that word from you right away. But when you choose to receive. And it's always going to be your choice, my choice, whether we receive from God or not. When you choose to receive, then you walk out of here and you know, I've heard something and I'm, I'm stronger. Something's changed in my life. So I want Helen to pray right now for all those in the room that would say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. You feel the Holy Spirit nudging you and you need to respond to God. So all over the room with your heads bowed, nobody looking around, but if you're saying yes, include me in that prayer, I'm responding to you, Holy Spirit. Just slip, slip, slip your hand up in the air, wherever you're sitting. Just go ahead and put your hand up in the air and keep it there. Helen, can you just pray for everyone? Awesome. So God, this is the moment and this is the time where we say yes to you. Help us, Holy Spirit. You are our helper. You are our comforter. You are our strengthener. We can't do this in our own strength, but right now we choose by an act of our will 
to say help. You are a very present help in the time of trouble. And right now we release, we let go, we relinquish any right to hold on to that one more moment. We take the venom out so that we won't die of this toxic poison in us. And we release our future to you with faith, with expectation, and with dreams. In Jesus' Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Just keep your head bowed for a moment. I want to pray one more prayer. If, If when you walked in here today, your relationship with God wasn't what it could be, what it should be, you know it and God knows it, don't leave that way. It's going to take a choice again, but you don't have to leave the way you came. Maybe when you walked in, you didn't have a relationship with God. You weren't sure if Jesus was your Lord, if heaven was your home, if you were a Christian. You believe maybe maybe you've gone to church before all the rest of it, but actually it's always going to be as a result of your choice. So if you've never made the choice, Jesus, come into my heart and take your rightful place. Be the Lord of my life. If you've never done that, today's your day. I want to pray a simple prayer on your behalf. But you need to make the choice. You need to say yes to God. If when you walked in, you said, I remember the day when I prayed a prayer like that. I know what you're talking about. But along the way, I got so distracted. I recognize that Jesus is not the Lord of my life. He's back in the corner of my life someplace. But I need to change that. I don't want to leave that way. I want Jesus be the Lord of all. Take your rightful place. Again, sit on the throne of my heart. And that's a choice you make and God is ready right now to forgive you of all of the distractions and all the things that you've let get between him and you and get back to the place where you want him to be so all over the room again with your heads bowed nobody looking around you'd say include me in that prayer because that's my choice I'm saying yes to God today slip your hands up that's you slip your hand up come on all over the room if that's you We'll leave change today. One, two, three, four, five, six. All over the room. There's hands all over. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just keep it up in the air. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this simple prayer. And if you got your hand up, just let this come out of your heart. Everyone say this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. You died on a cross to pay for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. I believe they're paid for in full so I receive you as my Lord come into my life take your rightful place be the center of it all from this moment on my life will serve you thank you Jesus amen amen come on give the Lord a hand clap God is good bless you